Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Howard? Yeah. Hey, I'm going to make you the host. Also, um, I think Randy, one of the Randys, uh, just check on the schedule because I think they both think they're coming on at the same time. No, uh, Randy Lang's coming on at uh, 1230. Okay, and then who's coming on at? Randy Cross was on at noon. Okay, let me, let me make sure he knows that. According to my text to him, it's noon. Oh, yeah, there's both in Randy's. What's that? Got it. You're good. You're good to go, man. Uh, I'm going to let you do your thing, and then just ping me when you're done. Do what? Just shoot me a text when you're done. You got it, pal. All right, later, man. Thank you.
Testing one, two, three, four, five. One, two, three, four, five. You hear me, Randy? Oh, Randy, can you hear me? Yo, yo, I can hear hey, you. How you doing? I'm doing great. Yourself? Can't complain. Nobody cares. Don't you remember uh, that line from the Bronx Tale when Sonny yeah, talking to the, the kids? You said nobody cares. Yeah. <laughs> He's right. Yeah, there's a lot of movies. There's a lot of a lot of stuff from that movie that was right. Oh, absolutely. I'm very familiar with that neighborhood in the Bronx. I love it. I love it. Great restaurant. Well, I'm, I'm done going. I'm, I'm done going to New York, at least for a couple of weeks. <laughs> you what? I said, I'm done going to New York, at least for a couple of weeks. Well, you know, as a New Yorker born and raised uh, and we lived in the city for about four years. I don't know if yeah. I'd do it again. Too much violence. Yeah, I'll tell you, it's it's a different place now. It's amazing. No doubt. No doubt. So what's the Falcons' first choice? Quarterback? <laughs> I guess. I guess. I mean, I, I, I sure as hell don't, you know, beginning of the year and during the season, people were talking about, the kid from Kentucky being the best quarterback available in this draft. Yeah. I'm not so sure about that, but you know, I, it'd be just their luck, you know, to have the number one pick and have the ability to get any quarterback they wanted in a draft that the best ones are probably a year away. All right. Stand by. We're ready to go. All right. In three, two, and one. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Howard David Live. We get it going on a Tuesday with former 49er Randy Cross. Uh, I, when I looked at last night's game, Randy, uh, the, the Patriots' victory, a couple of things came to mind. Number one, it obviously keeps the playoff chances alive for the Patriots, but the Cardinals, they didn't lose just a game. I mean, they lost Kyler Murray in non-contact injury, like what, the second series? Uh, they're talking about uh, a torn ACL that puts him out for a year, right? Um, yeah, you know, it probably puts him out until if being guarded, he won't play in the preseason. It, 
It means he won't do much until next September as far as on the field football. But these days, you know, that's, that's anywhere from six to nine months before you're actually running and going. But, it'll, you know, like you say, it'll be, it'll feel normal in a year, but he sure as heck won't wait that long. When you look at the Cardinals, they're one of the teams that I would say has been a disappointment this year. Why do you think that is? Um, yeah, it's kind of a strange, it's a little bit, I, you look at the, the contract situation with Kyler Murray and sort of the, the, the implied stuff around that, you know, about having to devote X number of time, amount of time, you know, studying off the field, blah, blah, blah. I mean, that was like, what? I mean, who, who, who puts that in a contract for a guy you draft that high? Um, that means you didn't do your homework very well, if that's true. Um, but that sort of started their season in a weird way. But it's the same as, you know, everybody else. But it really depends on what kind of injury situation you're going to have. And they have had a pretty good rash, you know, right up until last night when they had the one they had with Kyler. But, you know, it's, I, I think a lot of it, too, is – you play football a specific way and Cliff Kingsbury likes to play that, that sort of air raid, wide open, flat out way of going about it. Um, it comes back to bite you in the butt. I think sometimes where, you know, people kind of figure out your scheme or at least figure out what you're trying to do. And it's incumbent upon the coach to keep things fresh and keep mixing things up. Kind of like we see you know, a guy like Kyle Shanahan do in San Francisco. Well, I mean, here's, uh, here's the coach uh, who's got dice in his pocket. I mean, he went for it on fourth down a couple of times. Do you really gamble against Bill Belichick? Uh, you do when he's got the offense he's got right now. You know, I, I think that plays into it. Um, I think your record plays into it and what you kind of quote-unquote have to lose. So, yeah, and Bill, Belichick, yeah, I mean, it's it's great. Um Mac Jones and that offense are not the same as they were last year. And it's pretty obvious as to why. So I think I, I, I don't blame anybody, including the Cardinals for taking some chances, you know, against that defense is pretty tough. I, I gotta be honest, the Patriots can play some defense and, you know, they'll make you pay for it if you don't do it. And they made them pay for it. Well, you, you saw the game, uh, you, you saw Mac Jones, start to walk to the sidelines during the timeout. And he got, he was obviously agitated. Was his agitation directed against Matt Patricia, the offensive coordinator? I don't know. I don't know. I'm sure he'll have to explain that to some degree sooner or later. Um, you know, my, my guess is with that organization, they won't be giving out a whole lot of information as to what, you know, who, what, when, yeah. and why. Uh, so he, you may, he may take this one to his grave. But, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a weird deal, especially for a guy that's not, you know, sort of earned his bones. And, you know, Patricia's – say what you will, it's a, it's a highly unusual move. It's pretty amazing this offense is functioning at all with a linebacker, defensive coordinator, failed head coach running it. Well, you bring up the point, uh, you know, you go from a defensive coach to an offensive coach. I mean, that transition cannot be easy, right? Oh, no. I mean, a, an offensive coordinator, I mean, that's a big deal. And, hey, you've been a head coach. I know that. You've been a defensive coordinator. Check. Know that. How about on the offensive side? So you're setting the tone. You're calling the plays. You're in charge of the strategy. You're. It's, it's not something you just sort of pick up. Um, so – yeah, and he, being the head coach, I'm sure he was involved in the offense in Detroit some, and I'm sure he under—I fully understands what goes into it. But, you know, it's – and he's not dumb, and Bill Belichick's one of the smartest minds ever in the history of, of, you know, professional football. So, yeah, they knew what they were getting into, but, you know, I, I, it still doesn't make it any less sort of interesting uh, a decision to, to go about it the way they have. It's – pretty good testament to the guys that they got playing for him that they're doing as well as they have actually he's randy cross uh former lineman with the san francisco 49ers currently a broadcaster uh you mentioned detroit that brings up the question 
Detroit's playing at the Jets this week. When was the last time a Detroit Jets game had any importance and was of any factor whatsoever? You got it this Sunday. Um, I don't know, since Barry Sanders was in the yeah, Lions or – or, you know, might, might have to go all the way back to Schmidt and those guys. Um, yeah. It's been a minute. Let's put it that way. It's, it's, it's been quite a while. And it's a, Dan Campbell and them have done a pretty amazing job. You start, start one and six, um, hell, and you start one and six these days, you're liable to get fired, much less not have a chance to, to, to come back and do what they're, they're trying to do. And it, and it has not been done very often in this league where a team starts off with that kind of a record and actually has a shot and or gets into the playoffs. So they're on that kind of a roll, they believe. And that's, that's part of it. If you watched any of that hard knocks earlier in the year when they had the Lions involved, I, I think you got a decent picture as to how something like this can occur for this football team because – you know, Campbell, love him or hate him or like him or whatever, you watch him and the way he functions and the way that team kind of interacts, they've got some potential for, for some pretty good stuff working. Well, they got a chance uh, to make the playoffs. Meanwhile, on the other side, you got the Jets. And the Jets have not been a playoff team for 10 years. Uh, the game they played last week against Buffalo, they had some chances to win the game. But, uh, man, I've never seen a quarterback get pounded the way Mike White did last week. I mean, he gets pounded, gets knocked out of the game, comes back in, gets knocked out of the game, comes back in. And now they're saying uh, Robert Saddle, the coach, is saying he expects uh, White to start this week against Detroit. I mean, one thing I, I really, when I was watching this, I'm thinking, Randy, this guy has made a statement to his teammates. And I think he won a lot of people in that locker room over, don't you? Yeah, I mean, he won a lot of people over Howard the week before. <laughs> yeah, the way he's the way he performed, um, and then to do that, it does kind of call into question, you know, the whole idea of what's the what's the injury criteria? Uh, who's whose decision at times is it to just keep on going? Um, you got somebody that's playing pretty special. I hope for his sake he's not risking anything uh, anything long term. But that's part of this game. This, you, you, whether you want to or not, or whether you recognize it or not, um, you play in the NFL, you're going to at some point in your career kind of put it all on the line um, to keep playing. And that's, that's, you know, you look at it in the way it happened, you know, last week. That's sort of what it looked like, you know, for Mike White. That Mike White was saying, I'm going to stay in there. And that, that's a lot of equity with your team when it comes time for future games. Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, here they are, a team that's still got a shot at the playoffs. They're in a tie now with the Chargers for the last playoff spot in the AFC. You look at this Jets team, and they lose. Look, Quinn and Williams gets hurt last week, and I don't know if he's going to play this week. But he's a big part of their defense. You realize their defense is ranked third in the NFL? Yeah, I know. I know. It's, uh, well, that's they, they've drafted high, so they've got some pretty good talent on that defense. And, you know, I think as good as D'Amico Ryans is doing with San Francisco with his talent, Robert Sala did really, really well with that talent when he was running that defense. So he, he's proven that he knows what to do with the guys that can really go. And, you know, you, you can't underestimate a guy like that when he gets this kind of a, a, a group of talented players and they're taking advantage of. Him. Yeah, well, Joe Douglas deserves a lot of credit there, general manager for this year's draft and a couple of free agent tight ends that they picked up. Uh, so they headed they appear to be headed in the right direction. Uh, you mentioned your 49ers. I look at the 49ers as the team you don't want to see in the postseason. The way that they're playing right now on both sides of the ball. Uh, I mean, uh, look, Debo Samuel, he, had, he was injured last week. I don't know if he's going to play this week or not. Maybe you can enlighten us. But you blow out Tampa Bay. 35 to seven. Tom Brady didn't look too happy last week. Yeah, well, he shouldn't have looked too happy. The way, I mean, Bosa and the rest of the guys on defense, the way they were playing, um, it was it was impressive to see. And yeah, they're the they're the current team you don't want any part of six game winning streak. Um, 
and they have to do a quick turnaround. So you would imagine that a guy like Debo, that they're listing it as an ankle and a knee, that he'll be he'll be out, if not for this week, for a good period of time before, uh, you know, like it might be January before he's he's back on a football field playing a football game. If you're really going to be careful about it, and he deserves that sort of a caution. But man, they are a talented team offensively and defensively. And, you know, Mr. Irrelevant there from last year's draft, Brock Purdy has, you know, talk about being a frog that got kissed by the right princess. <laughs> he's just, he's turning into something right now. And you, know, you look at their, their quarterback roster, the way it's performing, you know, if Purdy keeps doing this, is there really a rush to get Jimmy Garoppolo back? Now, I'm not knocking Jimmy G. He gets knocked enough as it is. But, you know, Pur- Purdy's doing everything a coach would want, and he's performing about as perfect as you've seen a, a young quarterback especially perform in a while. I've never seen a guy like Jimmy Garoppolo who's been abused <laughs> over the last year or so. Uh, his job's being taken away. He comes back any place. Well, he gets injured. I mean, did he steal somebody's lunch money? I mean, he's had a lot of run of bad luck. Uh, isn't that the truth? It's uh, it's really strange. It's it, I, that's why when it comes to you know my old team, the Niners, I avoid social media like the plague. I mean, if I see anything trending Niner wise, I never look at it because it's either bad news and that somebody got hurt, or it's their fans just dumping on one of the players, and it's usually Jimmy G when it when it comes to that. It's uh. You know, the guy's gotten them to a Super Bowl. He's gotten them to a championship-type game. He's he's played – you know, he's done as well as he could probably do. Let's put it that Does he scramble the best? No. Does he throw the prettiest deep ball? No. But, damn it, he wins. And right. I, I think that's something that, you know, from a quarterback, stats be danged. And that's the one thing you've got to see from your quarterback. So, if he's remembered, you know – when it's all said and done, he's a guy that can be 21 of 26, throw for 250 yards and two touchdowns and get ripped for it. I think he'll be able to live with that. 49ers are nine and four. They've won six in a row. They are head and shoulders above the rest of the division, a division that we thought was going to be the toughest top to bottom. But Seattle's been a disappointment. The Cardinals have been a disappointment. The Rams, although they played particularly well, uh, who's that guy to play quarterback? Baker, somebody. <laughs> I mean, what what a performance in that last series! The way that yeah. he threw the ball, Randy. I mean, he was on target like you rarely see. Did you did you ever really have any doubt that a healthy Baker Mayfield could ad lib and play by the seat of his pants as good no. as anybody? I mean, that's that's how he won the Heisman Trophy in Oklahoma. Um, and you know that's. That to me is was not as surprising, but with the with the lack of experience in the offense, the lack of practice time in the offense, the lack of you know throwing time to those receivers to put those balls where he put them in mm. the situations he was in, it was it was just incredible. I know one thing: if if I'm a Rams fan, I got really excited by seeing that. I don't know if it's going to matter. But I got pretty excited knowing that, you know, I've got that, you know, sitting there. The thing that impressed me, and you started to allude to it, he shows up on Tuesday, no practice on Wednesday, plays a game on Thursday and puts out that kind of a performance. I don't know if I've ever seen anything close to that. Yeah, it kind of, it it harkens back to the old study in the playbook by the light of the jukebox kind of thing. (laughs) You know, I mean, it's, it's, this this deep penetrating study and film time and might be overrated in some cases and he sure made that the prep side um, the prep side look a little bit uh, a light on required but I, I don't he'll he'll follow this up maybe he's great maybe he's not you know does he really know this offense right now probably not does it really really matter sure as heck didn't look like it uh, if you were going to talk about the best team in the NFC, I don't know you can go past Philadelphia, right? I mean, look, what they did to the Giants last week was predictable. 
the Giants are very shaky at best. Um, they've had a better season than we thought, but Philadelphia, the way that Jalen Hurts is running this team with his legs and with his arm, this has to be the most dangerous team in the NFC. Oh, and by the way, that defense is pretty good. <laughs> and, and, and it's a part of that football team that, you know, I think teams in the NFC that play on the offensive side will testify that, you know, as, as tough as Jalen Hurts has been and as tough as that offense has been, Devontae Smith and what they can do. And, I mean, the defense is, is part of that team you really don't want much of. So, that, to me, that's why they're 11-1. That's why they've got the record they have is they're so balanced. And, but, but they're one of those balanced teams, and I've been on a of them, that has such a good offense, and people are so enamored with their offense. At times, the D kind of goes under the radar, and that can be a real advantage. He's Randy Cross, former member of the San Francisco 49ers, longtime broadcaster, Proud to say that I've worked with Randy in a number of games. Always a pleasure without question. Uh, what's going on with Miami? I mean, they go to the West Coast. The 49ers take them apart. The Chargers take them apart. I mean, Tua Tagovailoa uh, was, was playing at a very high level with, with Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddell. And all of a sudden, things have gone in the toilet. What is going on with this team? Is it the lack of defense? Well, part of it's the D. And part of it is, you know, they're missing a few parts and they're not playing particularly strong on the defensive side. I think when they when they acquired Chubb from Denver, a, a lot of people expected that defense to really take another take a step to another level. Um, Tua just looks, especially against San Francisco and even again against the Chargers, um, a little flustered and a little hurried. I can understand it in San Francisco. Um, San Diego also has a pretty good pass rush. I, he just didn't seem to be that really just into his keys and cues and technique and feet and everything else the way he was earlier in the year, the way he was trained and brought up through that Nick Saban system. Um, that's what you expect to see out of Tua. And not seeing it, it's pretty obvious at times, you know, that, that the defense gets the idea that, hey, if we can get after this guy, we can affect this offense directly. Uh, you, you had a little slip of the tongue. You referred to him as San Diego, which I do all the time. I mean, to me, I they're always going to be the San Diego Chargers. I know. What, what am I going to call them, the Orange County Chargers? <laughs> they, don't, they don't even have their own stadium. Why should they have their own city? No, no, I got you. Uh, I mean, here's Miami this week going out to play in Buffalo. And, you know, Buffalo had, a, uh, I mean, escaped last week against the Jets. But here's a game that's critical uh, to Miami, obviously. Uh, it's critical to Buffalo, too. They're, they're chasing Kansas City. Uh, and watching uh, watching Buffalo last week, and, and you watch their quarterback play in particular, I mean, you're a former offensive lineman. You got a quarterback that's as big as some of your offensive linemen. Yeah, and he doesn't mind. He doesn't mind taking advantage of it either, does he, Howard? I no, mean, he doesn't. He does not shy away from contact, which I that would make me kind of nervous. You know, I know I know I had I had a guy behind me that was a little bit on the by by that standard, a little more on the frail side or normal side, but. Yeah, I mean, Allen will hurdle, he'll jump, he will try to run through a linebacker. And but that's he's been playing like that since he was in the Central Valley and in California and went out to Wyoming and did the same thing for Craig Bowl out there for the Wyoming Cowboys. I mean, he, he was called in college just sort of a wild gunslinger. And he got to the NFL, and he's not quite as wild, but he's still a gunslinger. He loves to throw the ball all over the lot. But the one thing that he's added is, man, he's made these defenses really pay with his feet. Because if you want to, you want to try to run any kind of man, any form of man, he's going to find where that is, and that's going to leave a huge hole. And he doesn't mind running. Was he about six six two fifty? Um, I don't know if he's quite six, six, but yeah, he's in that two forty to two fifty range. So you, you put a couple sets of thermals on him, a nice set of shoulder pads and everything else. He's got a little oomph to him when he goes after you. 
Randy, uh, last week, Tom Brady was embarrassed, and I guarantee it's been eating at him since last Sunday. And this coming Sunday, they host uh, Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals in a critical game. But uh, look, Tampa Bay is going to win the NFC South because everybody else in the division is terrible. But, I mean, that's the good news. You're going to make the playoffs. you got a losing record right now. You'll win the division. Now, the way I look at it in terms of the way the standings are and the way the positioning is for the playoffs, they could very easily play the Dallas Cowboys in the first round of the playoffs. I don't see any way that the Tampa Bay Bucks can beat Dallas, whether they're home or on the road. Yeah, well, it kind of depends on which Dallas team shows up, doesn't it, Howard? Yeah. I mean, Dallas Dallas can be erratic. If Parsons is going crazy and and Dak's got his whole game on the uh, on the right level and you know, they've got those two running backs doing what they both do so well and the receivers and, you know, go down the list. Yeah, but, you know, Dallas has had a pretty deep tradition. And when you do it for 20, 25 years, it's officially a tradition of kind of pooping in their hat when it comes to January games. I'll be, I'll be interested to see how they, how they handle themselves. Um, I, I would tell you that, the Bucks have got a rough record, which might get a little worse with Cincinnati coming in there. Um, Brady may not may, may not have liked losing to Brock Purdy and losing the way they did in San Francisco on Sunday, but Joe Burrow and the Bengals are a whole different kind of team, and they're starting to look like they did in that run to the Super Bowl last year. And this this kid, if he, he thought Brock Purdy was impressive, wait till he gets a, a an eyeful of Joe Burrow. Well, you're right. Uh, and it's, you know, think about it. I mean, here's the defending Super Bowl champion, the Rams that aren't going to make the playoffs. And on the other side, you got the Bengals that are uh, you know, chasing the Ravens. They're even at nine and four, but the Ravens, Lamar Jackson, I mean, I don't know what his status is health wise, but if he's unable to play that, that, that hurts Baltimore, obviously uh, in a dramatic way. Oh no, it really does. It really does. He's uh he, he's possibly the way they're set up might be the, the league's most valuable player. You look around that football team, I'm not sure if they're going to function very well if they don't have him. So yeah, as much as they complain about his late game or late season or whatever you want to talk about the way he closes things out at times, um, he's incredibly talented and they're a totally different team if they don't have Jackson. In the AFC, Kansas City, best team in the AFC, or you're looking at Buffalo? Um, yeah, yeah I'd, I'd say it was in Buffalo and Kansas City. You know, as long as Patrick Mahomes has a, has a chance to sort of smile and dial and not look and throw it and do all that crazy stuff that he can get done. Um, and he's – they're not necessarily – the AFC has got a couple teams that you would say aren't weather dependent. You know, Kansas City isn't weather dependent. It could be – raining it can be snowing it can be windy it can be 110 i don't care what um they're kind of the same team same you say the same thing about buffalo so i guess i'd put them kind of neck and neck let me ask you and you said something that's very interesting weather dependent i haven't heard that phrase before but there's some validity to it uh when you are a team in a warm weather climate you're going into i mean miami's playing in buffalo this week is a perfect example that is a significant advantage for the Buffalo Bills. Yeah, I mean, are you a better team or a, a less than ideal team, depending on where you're playing and how the weather is going to be on that particular day? Um, that's why you see, you know, the teams that traditionally stay really good for long periods of times are the ones that have those pretty crazy road records that you look at them and you go, wow, you know what? I don't care if it's at their place or at the other guy's place. They're about the same team. I, you can say that about the, the Chiefs. I think you can say that about the Bills. It's not a whole lot of uh, – they're not a whole lot of teams that are on that list. So I guess it helps that you play and live in it when it's bad weather. Um, the old Bills with Jim Kelly were that kind of team, if, the way that they played. So I, I think that's something you want to see. I think that's, that's something you want to be is a team that no matter where you're at and how the conditions are, you're pretty much the same team. If you can do that, you're going to be, you're going to win some championships. 
former NFL lineman Randy Cross. Uh, let's look at the NFC East. Here's a team la- uh, division last year that we referred to as the NFC least. Well, <laughs> look at them now. I mean, here's the Giants playing the Commodores this week. Uh, look, it's it's winter. You're done in terms of making the playoffs. But you could conceivably have three teams from that division making the postseason. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know anybody that, that I know a lot of people that thought either the AFC West or the NFC West might have three teams coming out of it. But I don't know very many people before the season that would have picked any of those three teams in the East being, you know, the chances of being in, in the playoffs sort of along with others. Uh, the Eagles, you knew, were going to be a pretty good. The Giants would be improved. I, I think the job that they've done at, at Washington is nothing short of amazing considering the rest of the civilized world is after their owner. Um, I, I don't know. It's, it's going to be fun to watch those teams and the way that they go to the wire. I, I think there's a distinct chance that, you know, Philly is going to be just clearly the dominant team there, but the Cowboys are the wild card. And I think they're the wild card only because you really don't know which one, which team you're going to get. You're, you might get a team that could beat anybody on any day, or you might get a team that suddenly looks really dysfunctional. It just seems to be the way the Cowboys play. You mentioned before uh, about uh, the Cowboys and talking about their running backs. I, I watched Tony Pollard run, and there's a p- part of me that says maybe they should be using him more and Zeke Elliott less, but then Zeke comes out and plays pretty well last week. That's an abundance of riches when you have that kind of depth at running back. Yeah, isn't that fun? I mean, I got a good chance in the American Athletic Conference to see him, Tony Pollard, play in college. And the job he did returning kicks, I mean, he had, you know, what, seven, eight, nine touchdown returns when he was in college. Um and you said, oh, well, he's one of those guys, if he's that good a returner, he probably would fit in pretty good in, in an offense. Well, in a pro offense, he's a totally different player. And that's been really fun to watch what he can do. And, you know, I, I know Zeke probably wasn't a huge fan initially of this whole idea, but it doesn't take long to figure out Pollard's taking a lot of the wear and tear off of Zeke. Zeke can just go and try to hurt people when he runs. And that's sort of what you're seeing out of Dallas because Pollard, whether he's running with the ball, you know, on a little, you know, fake sweep thing, or he's coming out of the backfield, catching a short little pass, he can go to, he can go for a touchdown almost every time he touches the ball. Hey, before I let you go, we are, we watch the NFL every week and we have rooting interests in a variety of ways. The team we root for, if we're a fantasy player, we're rooting for certain players. Is there a personality in the NFL that's hard to root for? One's easy. I got two. One's easy. One, not so much. Okay. Is there a, is there a, a personality or a team? Um, Personality-wise, I, I, don't, I don't know. I, I'm not a big – I'm not a big mouth guy. So, you know, guys that make a living sort of overloading their lizard butt with their alligator (laughs) mouth tend to rub me the wrong way. So even when they play well and actually back it up, you know, I'm one of those that says, oh, okay, but I can't wait for the next time you don't. Um, I don't know if there's a a guy that would fit in that category. I, you know, obviously it's, you know, being a San Francisco 49ers is a couple of teams that I grew up just in football, not much caring for. But, you know, that was usually because you caught some pretty bad butt whippings from. I want to give you two names. Bill Belichick okay. is one. <laughs> and Tom okay. Brady's another one. He doesn't ever stop griping at the refs. Stop. <laughs> oh, that's just that's that's comes with the package. Yeah. That's yeah. You you want to you want to uh, learn a lesson in working officials. Get audio of a sideline. Be a side judge with Bill in your ear the whole game. Um, especially when they, when he had Brady at New England, then then you got both of them. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. Hey, no, no, you're right. 
You know, well, and you know why people don't like them? Because they can't do anything about it. Yeah, no, you're right. Hey, always, always great talking to you, my friend. You stay safe. Thank you. Thanks, I appreciate it, man. He's Randy Cross, former lineman with the San Francisco 49ers. We got a guy that uh, is going to give us a little insight as to uh, the New York Jets that got a big game this week at home against all of a sudden the pain in the butt Detroit Lions. <laughs> Uh, we're going to talk to uh, Randy Lang momentarily and get an inside look. Hopefully, uh, Randy is with us. You got me yet, Randy? Can't hear me yet. Hmm. That's odd. You there? Hello, sir. Hey, Randy, how are you? All right. I got them all figured out now. <laughs> <laughs> Randy Lang with the New York Jets. Uh, you, you look at... Um, Oh, I don't know. You look at the Jets and you say, well, uh, have they overachieved? I think it's fair to say they have based on the record. But at the same time, uh, look, Robert Sala, it, just an opinion. I think he's done a hell of a job. I think Joe Douglas, the general manager, has done a hell of a job based on the way this defense. I mean, this defense is now ranked third in the league. Are you aware of that? Yes, I am. It's uh, the best. And I think I calculated 123 weeks. Since uh, 2015 uh, was the last time they were third in the league. And uh, the passing defense is fourth and the scoring defense is tied for sixth. And uh, so the Jets defense, you know, I mean, they, are they perfect? No. I mean, they've, they've gone into a little bit of a turnover takeaway drought, uh, only have won the last four games. They need more uh, if they're going to succeed at what they want to do in the last four weeks of the season. But uh, other than that, and uh, maybe a little slow start here and there, that defense has been fantastic. And it goes along with the, as you mentioned, Joe Douglas and uh, Robert Sala with uh, the way they brought players to this team. The rookies have been phenomenal on offense. So uh, the, the pieces are there for the Jets to make a step in the right direction. Can they do it? I'm not sure. You know, I mean, they, they had two tough games on the road, lost them both, Minnesota-Buffalo. Now they've got two suddenly fairly tough games at home in Detroit and Jacksonville. They've got to win these two games and maybe one more, you know, out of the final two road games at Seattle and Miami if they want to go 10-7 and seven and get in the playoffs. Uh, I'm with you. Uh, I, I uh, In watching the game last week, Mike White gets pummeled gets knocked out of the game, comes back into the game a couple of plays later, gets pummeled again, gets knocked out of the game, comes back in the game. The word is that he was taken to the hospital after the game uh, to check his ribs. A couple of questions. Number one, has Mike White established himself in that locker room with his teammates based on the heart that he has shown, particularly last week? Well, from the comments that I heard after the game and from Coach Sala's comments after the game and then again on Monday, yeah, I, I would think he has done that. I mean, he's shown how tough a, a son of a gun he is. Uh, he didn't have to go back in, especially the second time after take. And, you know, they, they mentioned two punishing hits. He took about four mm. really tough hits, two of which he just got up and got back in the huddle. So he's shown that uh the toughness that will win the hearts and minds of the locker room now you know you got to also look though at uh you know i mean i, I don't want to downplay what he's done at all but for the second straight year he opened with a phenomenal game this year against chicago last year against cincinnati and uh the last two games you know he, he's had some fine numbers couldn't get it done at the end he wasn't alone in that regard had some bad protection last week uh, you know, and so on, but uh, he needs to win a game too. I mean, this is the NFL. It, it's not going to forgive you for being a tough guy who gets hurt and can't win that game with, uh, you know, by putting the ball in the end zone with four consecutive incompletions. Well, let me ask you this. Uh, what are they saying about his ribs? Is, he, is there a thought that there, his ribs cracked or, or is it just badly bruised? Well, I know that coach Sal is kind of playing that a little close to the vest until tomorrow when he's got a report, uh, on Wednesday, the uh, the first injury report of the season, but he has said that they're going on the 
I guess, assumption that Mike White is going to start on uh, Sunday against Detroit. So uh, unless they discover something further, um, it it might be a cracked rib. I don't know. Um, But um, it sounds as if he's the guy. He's going to get the ball again. And um, that's a good thing in a sense because as tough as Detroit is on offense, they're that bad on defense. I mean, they're like, you know, top five on and scoring and yardage and their t- bottom five and giving the ball, uh, you know, letting opponents gain yards and score points. So it could be a shootout on Sunday. And Mike White has shown that he can shoot it out with teams. Let me ask you this. And I know you'd have to just speculate. You really don't know the answer, but if he can't go, is Zach Wilson the next up or is it Joe Flacco? Uh, remains to be seen still, according to what the coaches said, although, Robert Sala continues to, to say, you know, he's, he's got confidence in Zach. Zach's working his way through. We have to talk it out as a coaching staff, and um, he's got to clear a few, you know, hurdles and uh, so on. Uh, it, it might be because of necessity. It might be because they feel he's ready. But if Mike White can't go, I, you know, I'm not sure about Joe Flacco. I mean, uh, you know, he was under pressure, too. He only got six plays against uh, the Bills didn't you know move the ball down the field at all um so be it i mean you know that's that was a tough spot to be in he was holding the fort uh mike white came back in could zach be the starter if mike white is out i suppose he could be but i suppose flacco could be too and that remains to be seen the the last half of this week Uh, i don't have a horse in the race it's just strictly my opinion uh, I can't see Flacco. Uh, I mean, he fumbled the ball in the second play. Now, one play doesn't doesn't make a whole game, but uh, if at th- at that point, it would seem that you would tr- give Zach Wilson the shot. But we'll we'll see what happens. Bigger injury or as big? Quinn and Williams. What do you know? Well, again, from the coach, um, he's he seems confident, but not like wildly confident that Quinn will be available. He's got a calf injury which uh knocked him out of the bills game uh in the second quarter after he recorded two sacks of josh allen uh increasing his total to 11 for the season which is a big number for the jets uh he leads the team it's a career high he's sixth in the league uh this guy's having a monster year so losing him would be tough no question about it the jets do have a good rotation going on that defensive line They've got John Franklin Myers. They've got Carl Lawson. Uh, Bryce Huff is a, maybe a guy that a lot of people don't know about who has applied some fine pressure um, when he's gotten the opportunity. So the Jets have players, but they sure would like to have Quentin Williams available to go against Jared Goff and the Lions. Well, it's one of the reasons why the Jets are third in defense in the league. I mean, Quentin Williams is uh, due a lot of credit. Uh Running back spot. You lose Brees Hall beginning early on in the season. He looked like the real deal. He looked like a monster. Uh, then you lose him. Uh, and then out of nowhere comes Zonovan Knight. Where in the world did he come from? Zonovan with a Z. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but, I know. But then it's, it's easy to remember Bam Knight, right? <laughs> yeah, I guess. Uh, you know, and, and I know some NFL sites or uh, official sites are listing him as Bam Knight. So that's easier. Okay. Uh, but uh, yeah, where did he come from? He uh, he thought he might have been a fifth or sixth round pick uh, in the draft. Didn't get drafted. So he kind of fought through that. He was a little glum, little. Uh, he, he obviously believes in himself and the Jets now believe in him, too, because as Sala said, after two 100 yard from scrimmage games in his first two two appearances, uh, Sala said he's not going anywhere which would indicate, well, he's, he's here too. So uh, he didn't get a hundred yards against the bills, but it was close. I think he got 90, you know? So, I mean, he, he's doing pretty darn good as, as a guy who nobody expected much of behind, uh, as you mentioned, uh, Brees Hall and also Michael Carter, who had a very good rookie year, not quite as sharp this year. Don't know why uh, the offensive line has struggled a little bit to, to, maintain consistency and keep the same lineup together that might have something to do with carter and with protection but uh, but but uh, bam knight has been showing he can get it done and uh so we're going to see more of that uh, uh definitely i think against uh, detroit which seems to be a little vulnerable to the run and 
that might be the key to, uh, you know, keeping the Lions and Goff off the field uh, a little bit and, and uh, to winning a, a shootout at uh, MetLife Stadium. At the beginning of the year, when you looked at the schedule and Detroit, most, most Jet fans would say, well, this is, you know, this is a winnable game. This is a game that will win and so on. But the opinion about the Lions has changed dramatically based on the way they're playing. What did they want, five or six in a row? I mean, they're, they're all of a sudden, they're in the discussion about a playoff team. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I was just doing some research this morning, and uh, they, they had won one out of seven. One, they were one in six right. to start the season. And one of the reporters that covered the team said, uh, they're the worst team in the league. And right about that time, they started to win, and they won five of their last six. And now they got players saying, we think we're the real deal. We think we're on our way. Now, this is kind of where the Jets feel they are, too. So it's a very interesting matchup to see, you know, Detroit coming into, uh, you know, uh, North Jersey thinking they're the team that, that's going to get it done and get to the playoffs. And the Jets thinking they're the team that can get it done. So it's a very interesting matchup in that regard. But I think the one thing just to keep in mind, let, I'm not going to knock the Lions, but they definitely have played better uh, under the roof at Ford Field than they have on the road. So. Let's see how they hold up in the, kind of the, the uh, cold and windy conditions of uh, North Jersey on Sunday. Well, there's no question. Then you follow that up with a game against Jacksonville at MetLife, uh, mm-hmm. another team that has given teams a, a fit, whether or not they make the playoffs. But Trevor Lawrence is the real deal. When he got drafted, everybody said, and I talked to Bill Parcells about it, about Trevor Lawrence, what his impressions were. Um, and my old partner, if I said that, my old partner, Dave Jennings, I said, what are your impressions? He says, I don't do impressions. But <laughs> Parcells didn't say that. He said that he's a generational quarterback. And I think he's lived up to the hype. Yeah, I mean, I think initially last year, it was the jury was out because uh, Zach Wilson went number two. And Zach looked pretty good for a period of time there compared to uh, Trevor. And he beat Trevor. And the Jets beat the Jaguars last season. Uh, it was a close game. It was nip and tuck. But uh the number two uh, prevailed over the number one. Now this year, a little turn to the tables and we'll see. Uh, we may not see Zach against Trevor this second time this year, or we may, I don't know. Uh, but it will be interesting to see. I mean, he's shown that he can move that Jaguars offense that has struggled over the, the last decade or so and uh, can fire up this team and get them into uh, contention too, where, you know, they're, they're not up with the jets at seven and six. I believe they're what they're five and uh, eight, maybe, or six and seven. I think they're five and eight. I will double check that for you to be sure. Yeah. You but know. They are. Uh, let's see. They are five and eight. You're right. All right. Um, so, look- so, but they're still in the conversation. So uh, they're, I think they're middle of the pack right now, as far as offense and defense, yardage and points so they're competitive i mean they're they're a team that's going to come into uh met life again and say we're the team on the rise not you guys we're going to take care of business so the jets have got two winnable but tough home games that they need to take if they're going to you know continue on with this talk about you know we think we can make it to the playoffs and we think we're going to see the bills again let's remind ourselves Trevor lawrence was one zach wilson was two about six or seven down the line was a guy named Jalen Hurts. Yeah. <laughs> Jalen's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Right now, you got to look at him and say he's the MVP. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, those Eagles are just uh, lighting it up. I mean, they're, they're going to possibly be the top seed in the NFC. So, um, you know, it, it was a, a pretty good group. I mean, I'd like to see Zach Wilson realize his potential. And um, it certainly isn't done yet, um, but at the moment, he's still kind of waiting in the wings. You saw him on the sideline at Buffalo on the sideline wearing the, uh, the uh, mask, you know, because it was cold and rainy and kind of looked like, um, you know, he was uh, waiting for a bus or something, you know, but uh, he's, <laughs> he's ready to go. I mean, uh, I don't know if it's this week or not. We're going to find out, uh, but pay attention to what uh, the coach says on Wednesday and especially Friday. Uh, when he visits with the media, because he may have information on who the quarterback's going to be against the Lions. I loved Robert Sala's comment after the game last week, and he says, we are going to see the Bills again. Mm-hmm. I mean, I love the confidence. Obviously, seeing the Bills again means he thinks they'll meet him in the playoffs. Uh, that may or may not happen. 
But uh, look, this is just a, a guy standing on the outside, uh, looking at Robert Sala, listening to what he has said, reading what he has said, and just watching him. Teams take on the personality of a coach. And I watch him on the sidelines, and uh, I, I'm liking what I see. And any Jet fan who doesn't like what he's doing is not paying attention. I agree. I mean, I you know, I've seen him come and go, uh, Howard, as you know, and you have too. Uh, and um, you, you get a feel for a coach and, and what he can do and what he maybe can't do. And if he's a blusterer or if he's uh, the real deal, I think Robert's the real deal. I think he reaches his players. He gets them uh, convinced that they can do things that maybe they thought they couldn't do. Uh, I don't I don't hear a discouraging word out of that locker room. They they all seem to feel, along with the head coach, that we can get it done this year. Now, can they? I mean, we'll find out. I mean, you know, you, you lose two games, you go from seven and four to seven and six. There are going to be questions. Can you get it done? So the next two weeks are very key in that regard. And uh, it would be really great to see the Jets put it together, uh, however ugly or pretty it is, and get to the playoffs for the first time since 2010. Yep. And end that NFL long streak of no, no, uh, no playoff seasons. Uh, so I'm all for it. But, uh, you know, it's, it's the NFL, you know, not for long. What have you shown me lately? The Jets have got to produce beginning on Sunday against the Lions. Well, they got the Lions and the Jaguars, uh, and then the Seahawks on the road, which is very tough. Absolutely. And then finishing in Miami with the last game of the season, which may or may not be the game uh, to decide whether or not they get into the playoffs. But let's just say they don't make the playoffs. But let's just say they wind up winning nine games uh, and finish nine and eight. Um, it seems like the, there is progress. Would you consider it, or would Jet fans consider a successful season if they win nine games but don't make the playoffs? Well, Jet fans, as we know, are impatient. Uh, they, they, when you when you tell them to uh, be patient, they say we've been patient for fifty years. You know, <laughs> uh, they're going to voice their opinions. But I think most of them would say, "All right, this was within our grasp this year. We didn't get it done. There's some obvious reasons that things uh, didn't fall into place, but we have made progress." I mean, you know, they they go from a four win team to a nine win team to to the edge of the, the uh, playoff picture. Maybe they get in. I mean, the other key thing about Miami, as you mentioned, the Jets have already beaten the Dolphins once at home pretty solidly. Now, that doesn't mean that, uh, you know, if Tonga Vailoa is healthy and ready to go and the Dolphins need the win, that the Jets are going to go into Miami and do the same thing. But the Jets already are at a disadvantage regarding the Patriots because they've lost to them twice and they're in, a, in the uh, hunt for a berth with the Patriots. But if they beat the Dolphins, all of a sudden, maybe the Dolphins are the team that they can pass with two victories. So, I mean, there's a lot of things in play. There always are at this time of year. But I think the key thing for Jets fans, as we mentioned to start this question, was they're in the conversation now again. It's taken a while, but they're in the conversation. If it's this year or next year or, you know, the year after, I think that, you know, Jets fans are not going to be happy if it's two years down the road, but I think they are happy that they're back in the playoff conversation and playing meaningful December games. No, that's the key. The last thing you said is the key. They're playing meaningful December games. And look, uh, my daughter's been a jet season ticket holder for a long time. Uh, obviously, you know, she's, she's got a strong rooting interest, but she said that, you know, the people that she associates with, they all say, uh, you know, hey, the Jets are much better. And, and and that's the first thing that comes out of everybody's mouth. But you're part of the organization. You see this organization and where it has been and where it's going. And clearly the arrow is pointed up. Yeah, it is. And and I give a lot of credit, obviously, to Sala, as we said, and also to Joe Douglas, who, yep. you know, he's the, as I say, Jet fans are going to be impatient. Uh, and you, you hear these things uh, maybe this year early on. Eh, Joe Douglas, I don't know. He's not getting personnel that we need. Hey, listen, that that went out the window with the draft and with the free agency. Uh, he got he and the Jets got unanimous. I mean, I, I don't know how close to unanimous they were. It was pretty darn close. A plus grades for their draft. And that draft has proven to be an A plus draft so far. 
and they brought in some key free agents, especially in that secondary with DJ Reed. And uh, they had Joyner on the roster and they bring in uh, Jordan Whitehead. You know, I mean, that part of it is also moving in the right direction. And that's a key that a lot of fans, you know, they see it on the field. They want to, you know, they want the wins on the field, but to get the players that you need uh, is also key. And the Jets have done that as well. So all of those things, I think, are, you know, indicating that the Jets are moving in the right direction. How soon they get to where they want to go. Well, they got a chance this year, Howard, as we know, and it's not going to be easy, but it's there for them. Well, we'll see what happens on Sunday when Detroit comes to town. Randy, always appreciate your insight. Thanks a million. You stay safe. You too, Howard. Appreciate it very much. Yeah, he's Randy Lang of the Jets talking about his team and what they're doing and where they're going and so on. I I think the Jets are pointed in the right direction. As I said, there's no question about it. Uh, But between you and I and the lamppost, it's something about Mike White that I like. Uh, I like the way that he throws the ball. I like the way that he obviously can take some punishment, but the Jets have got to deal with that offensive line. It has been a sieve. Quarterbacks are getting banged up all over the place. You know, even when Zach Wilson was playing, he was running for his life a lot. So, I mean, you've got to shore up that offensive line. Now they've been banged up. Some guys were missing last week. That said, Talking about the future, that offensive line needs to be attended to. It's just not good enough. Uh, The defense speaks for itself. Third ranked in the NFL. They get to the quarterback without blitzing, I might add. And the fact of the matter is they've got some playmakers on that side of the ball. They got to probably cause some more turnovers, but they are getting to the quarterback. There's no question about it. I mean, they got to Josh Allen three times last week. They got to him four times the previous time they played. So there is enthusiasm on the defensive side of the ball. It's got to spill over now to the offense. Another big week in the NFL coming up as we're heading down the stretch in December. I'm Howard David. Thanks for being a part of Howard David Live. You stay safe. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.